The Constitution is more than literature, but as literature, it is primarily a work of the imagination. It imagined a country. Fantastic. Hello, I'm Patty Vernon, and this is Mostly Essays. Today, we'll have a look at a collection of essays and stories by Roger Rosenblatt uh, entitled The Man in the Water. I was a little bit about the reviews here by Jules Pfeiffer, who says of Roger Rosenbland, with Roger, you not only have a good read, you have a good conversation. He talks to you, you talk back to him. The experience is direct and personal. He is one of those rare writers who by his trust in the reader fools us into thinking that we are as mature and thoughtful and witty as he is. Michael Arlene says of Roger Rosenblatt, I like it that Roger gets around so much. He travels the world and travels inside his own head. Both of them obviously fascinating places that he can also write so eloquently is glazing on the duck. As a magazine writer, television essayist and author, newspaper columnist and playwright, Roger Rosenblatt has explored the most difficult issues of our day. With her rare insight, wit and style, this first of a collection displays the remarkable scope and in-depth of Rosenblatt's work. He also has a book out entitled The Man in the Water, which includes his Man of the Year profile, uh, prize-winning pieces on children of war and the Soviet Union, and then a rare array of stories and essays on topics ranging from Richard Nixon to, to Candy Spurgeon, from Brooklyn to the Sudan, from dogs to poetry. So we'll delve right into one of Roger's pieces uh, called Words on Pieces of Paper, all about the making of the Constitution. Picture Shallus, S-H-A-L-L-U-S, doing the words, engrossing the Constitution, as the process was called, copying it out at an elegant angle and large, legible script. The four sheets of parchment were vellum, the skin of a lamb or a calf, stretched, scraped, and dried. The ink, a blend of oak gals and eyes, the light, an oil lamp, the instrument, a feather quill. All nature contributing to the assignment, human nature in the form of Jacob Shallus. Ordinary American citizen, son of a German immigrant to Philadelphia, soldier, patriot, father of eight, and at the time of the Constitutional Convention, assistant clerk to the Pennsylvania General Assembly. The convention handed Shallus the document, documents for copying on September the 15th, 1787. He had 40 hours to transfer to four sheets of parchment, 4,440 words, for which the payment was $30, good money for moonlighting. Two centuries later, Shallus becomes history trivialty, his story revived by a scholar, author, Potnik in a new biography, but the words on paper 
given bicentennial pet parades. Amazing little artifact. What started out at one man's writing desk eventually journeyed the country from city to city as the nation's capital moved, went into hiding during the War of 1812, was transformed from federal department to department until it wound up in the National Archives in Washington, sanctified in helium and watched over by an electronic cam camera conceived by NASA. The Quill Age to the Space Age, and at every stage, a nation full of grateful believers making a constant noisy fuss over a piece of writing, barely equivalent to a short story, much theme, no plot, and characters inferred. Call the Constitution Literature? Sarah Orne Jewett once wrote to Willa Cartha, the thing that teases the mind over and over for years and at last gets itself put down rightly on paper, it belongs to literature. One would have to say that the Constitution qualifies human minds having been teased for centuries with the possibility of making a government that would allow that mind to realize itself. The document shows other literary attributes as well, a grounding in the ideas of its time, the economy of language, orderliness, a symmetrical design, a strong arresting lead sentence. Then there's all that shapely ambiguity. Even those who have never read the document enduring wars, debts, threats to health, privacy, equality, down to questions raised by AIDS and aid to the contrast are convinced that the Constitution's words foresaw all that which in a way they did. The Constitution is more than literature, but as literature, it is primarily a work of the imagination. It imagined a country, fantastic, more fantastic still. It imagined a country full of people imagining themselves within the exacting articles and stipulations that was not only room to, was not only room to fly, but also the tactic encouragement to fly, even the instructions to fly, traced delicately within the solid triangular concoction of the framers. Even 200 years after the fact when people debate whether the Constitution is fit for so complicated and demanding a time, Americans take as granted the right to grow into themselves. They must have read it somewhere in a fable. Still, picture Charles. Before any of these hopes were raised or satisfied, the four skins laid out before him, the ink, the quill, and the lamp, and the words like mysterious ciphers handed over to him by the best minds of the age, who had just sweated out a Philadelphia summer to claim intellectual territory, which was to translate to a civilization. Did Chalice read what he had copied when he finished? Would he have understood it if he had? How could he dream that all those words thought out so meticulously were conceived only for him? Citizen Shallus bent over his desk in the country, in his country, deliberately, exquisitely in the act of being born.